The More Than Just Code podcast may contain material that is offensive to some people. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to part two of episode 56. I'm here with Greg Hio and Jaime Lopez. We're going to continue talking about what we saw on the Apple event today. Deep trench isolation. Phil told me to take one thing away from the talk, and that was it. So there we go. Uh, I wrote two notes down, just about timing, strangely enough. And I was curious about, I think the two big features that they introduced for me were the Force Touch, now branded as 3D Touch, and the photo stuff. And I think we've all experience this thing where the well the best camera is of course when people ask you what's the best camera of course the answer is it's the one that you have with you and all of us carrying our iphones around and using it for photos of all kind is sort of you know it's the number one camera in the world all that thing and so i was looking at the time and the amount of time they spent talking about 3d touch was about five minutes and the amount of time they spent talking about photos was eight minutes and the camera and then they talked about live photos for another four minutes so if you just look at the time that they spent on iPhone stuff, it's definitely camera stuff by a long shot, which isn't surprising, but I just wanted to get some numbers. So there's the numbers. But when we, maybe we can start with 3D Touch. That was the first thing I had on my list. And I think in previous episodes, we were kind of, or you guys were talking about, like, what's this going to be for? On the watch, it's like a right click almost. It brings up that context menu. And on the, um, or it almost feels like a long press, which is kind of like a right click, option click kind of a thing where it brings up other options and it seems like they've kind of done that but the word that they used over and over again was peak right here's this app i want to take a peek here's this email i want to have a peek at it and it seems to be that's the metaphor they're going for you're not just pressing you're pressing into the device right and you're pulling something out and i think when i think it was cred federighi who was demoing the the mail one and he said you know i'm going to select this message and hold it down and I'm going to see and I'm going to press even further into the thing and really push it in and that's going to literally drill down and open up the message. So that seems to be the thing that... It's like okay. there's a new UI, UI transition controller that, you know, that's sort of an intermediate one. I think that's kind of cool mm-hmm. in a lot of apps. Like, like using the mail would be cool. Like just have a quick look at it and okay, no, I'll deal with that later sort of thing, right? Or like you said, drill into it deeper. But that seems like there's going to be a new, a new uh, transition in the, uh, in the SDK. Right? Yeah, it's like, are you just going to have another view controller of a certain size? And it's it's almost like it's like a new style of modal presentation almost, right? Like, here's yeah, my message, yeah. and mm-hmm. you just show it halfway with those blurred background and whatnot. So that was uh, that was pretty cool for the for the peak. And then I forgot what I was going to say now. But I think it, when you do the same thing with the icon, and you have a right-click on the icon almost, and it shows a menu of stuff, and it's yeah, like, it's all right, menu, so yeah. quick access into it. That probably explains the sort of deep links into apps, because that... Menu, whatever they call it, the right-click menu on an icon, it can take you to specific places within the app. But it also looked like it was dynamic, right? Like the mail one said, here's your recent message, and the Facebook one said, you know, here's the last thing that happened, or whatever. I forget what the example is. Or respond, is. Or, or tweet, or go to my, yeah, my wall, whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it seems like it's not like you set up your app and you just say, here are the five things I want, right? Uh, you can say, um, I don't know, is, there, is it like background refresh or something? But every once in a while, you can update it and change what's in that menu, which is kind of cool. Because people have been asking for changing icons for a long time. And all we got was badges on the icon. And now you, I think you still can't change the icon, but you can change what's in that um, 3D touch menu for your app, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the Verge just got like, uh, they did a live blog. And so they had screenshots as they went through the thing. So they've got you know, if you click on the map uh, application, it gives you directions home, mark my location, send my location, search nearby, 
uh, on the mail one, it's like mail, message, or call. I guess if you if you pick on a contact name kind of thing. Um, and then you've got yeah, take selfie, record video, record slow mo, take photo. Those are the ones with the camera, right? Wow, I should have saved a link here, but I was flipping through Twitter, and and one thing I did see to, to answer your question, Greg, is that uh, you have a combination of static and dynamic pieces that you can you can have for your actions. And I don't know what the mm-hmm. the app lifecycle is for that, but they also have mm-hmm. a user info that has um, the app version. So you could have, you know, the static things of like show messages, show this other area is almost like a, a tab bar metaphor. Um, mm-hmm. And you could have a, oh, uh, I'll show this specific message because, or respond to this most recent request um, with some more context from the dynamic piece. The interesting gotcha was related to app versions, where uh, the reason you need app versions is because a user may have updated the app, but not yet fired it up yet. So that that gives us some key in the the life cycle that uh, your app must have been fired up at some point. So let's say you have version A, which has Mm. three options, and you have version B, which has a fourth option. Well, the user, when they update the app, and if they go to the home screen and they use the little um, context menu, they'll still continue to see the three options, or at least you should handle that appropriately because, um, or actually maybe I'll have it backwards. Maybe they'll see the new options, but your app needs to be smart enough to recognize, hey, I am version A. I don't even understand what this action is and, and deal with that appropriately. <laughs> like don't freak oh, out. So I have like a null right. pointer exception or something, right? So a version two of your app, if you release version two of your app, you have to still, you should still be able to handle uh, open new message from version one of your app. Is that what you're saying, Jaime? Yeah. Yeah. So it's all the, the version issues that you would have, right? Because it apparently won't refresh that uh, set of items for your menu until some other app lifecycle oh. time. And it's too bad. It's when just you update the app, it should send you a, you know, application did <laughs> update with options or something like a background refresh. It should call you once and you can update that thing. I'm surprised they don't have that. But as you were talking there, I'm thinking, well, maybe this is a, a new type of extension. What do you think, Greg? It sounds like it's not. But now that you say it, I feel like it should be because, you know, extensions can launch on their own sort of independent. You can just launch the extension without launching the full yeah. app. That might be part of the reason why um, if they had built it like that, that would be good. You could just, you know, when you update the app, launch the extension, ask it to update. But I mean, we've had background updates for a while where it just calls your app, That's but true. you know that you're not in the foreground and you have 10 seconds to do your work and then quit. So I feel like they could have done that. Mm-hmm. It's strange that they didn't. Maybe it's coming. But uh, Peak, that answers our question. And 3D Touch. I'm not, I guess I like the name better than Force Touch, although they showed the watch screenshot earlier in the keynote, and the instructions said, press hard to see other options or something like that, right? That seems the way they say <laughs> it on the watch, press hard. And so I'm curious right. what they're going to say for the phone. Are they going to say press hard on the icon, or are they going to say perform a 3D Touch on the icon? That seems too, too vague. That doesn't really mean anything to anyone. But um, well, I think Mark was talking about whether or not there's going to have different pressures as well, wasn't that? If I'm remembering that correctly, Jaime, he was talking on one episode about the fact that maybe there's going to be not just a, the fact that you're pressing through the screen, but the amount of pressure you use. Right, and that's um, that's something that uh, certainly I think is technically feasible. Right, the the technology is there, but how much of that would you have um, and have that actually be usable by people um, is a different question. Yeah. So there, so there are, there are enough people and it, it flabbergasts me because I, I never have this issue, but there are enough people who have issues using <laughs> force touch on the Apple watch. And I'm like, 
well, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Just push really hard and you'll never miss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? You're pushing it wrong. Um, Imagine you're breaking the screen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're not going to hurt it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> so you wouldn't want to have too many different varying levels. And I think the um, the peak and the pop were probably about as far as you would go where you press a little bit and then you really press a little bit more to get that, that full experience. Yeah, mm, that sounds mm. about right. I When the Force Touch came out on OS ten, I looked at the API a little bit to get some hint. I wrote a blog post about it, and I just posted it and pasted it in, sort of looking at how that reports it. And it is similar. There's a new property on like gesture recognizers and whatever the OS ten equivalent of like UI touches. I think it's like NS event. And it gives you a proper integer property called stage. And it's just zero, one, or two. So zero is nothing. One is like a click, like a regular click. And two is like extra. So it's pretty easy to tell but then there is another property that's a float or a double some kind of floating point number and that gives you a 0 to 1.0 um, number with like the current amount of force so you get right, sort of right. a percentage so you could go if you need something fine grained I think that's how is it like quick time when you fast forward or scrub through you can press I don't know I, I, I don't use it but there's some way to get a finer grain number but otherwise if it's just like no I want to know when they're pressing really hard and then you can use yeah. the the other stage property which is a little bit simple so anyway I was I wrote the post to kind of speculate on what force touch in iOS is going to look like I haven't looked at it either but I think either should be possible because you know they've done it on OS 10 so I was imagining whatever they did over there in OS 10 we would get something similar on you know UI touch maybe there'd be a new gesture recognizer for um I was going to say force touch for 3D touch that would give this kind of feedback, but I think either mm -hmm. would uh, either would work if you just want to know when they press really hard. Uh, there's certain UI control subclass that should be easy enough, and if you want finer grained how much pressure, then uh, you could do that too. There was a funny note in the documentation, and they said pressure is not intended for measuring weight. Uh, they actually had that like in bold in the documentation, as if like you know someone might make like a scale app where it's like place whatever you want to measure on the trackpad and we'll measure the weight based on the uh and this event property oh my gosh could you imagine people like creating an app for the iphone it's like oh yeah this is a scale that you can use to lose weight so if you just step on it <laughs> and measure your weight that would be for the ipad pro wouldn't it <laughs> yeah exactly well the live photos live thing photos? which uh yeah Live photos is the branding they're giving to this, which I think is more appropriately Apple GIF, as long as they're going to do that. Um, it's 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 video, but it's not video, isn't it? Like, isn't that like the best way of describing it? That's well, pretty good, like, yeah. It, well, it's like the burst mode on the camera. At least, doesn't the burst mode take like two or three pictures at the same time? Or like, or I mean, like like one like multiple shots. I mean, right. But this has this has uh, sound as well, right? So it's not just oh, does it? Oh, okay, motion, okay. but it also has uh, sound as my understanding so it's 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 yeah, not just yeah. you know take the the burst of photos and stitch them together and animate them like an animated gif um so it's like you know you're, you're showing some sort of intent there like when you're firing up the the camera app and you're, you're taking a, a photo it'll say oh by the way um, this, it's so cheap to process these things that we'll go ahead and and efficiently deal with these things so that you can have this nifty you know what was it one second before plus one second after something like that yeah, but does that mean that it's always recording? Is it like a D, uh, a PVR and it's always recording so you can pause and you can rewind live TV? Is it always recording? Because when I hit the, how is it going to know to record one second before, right? Is it just you launch the camera app and it's always recording? So when I hit record, it'll go minus one second. Is that how it's going to work then? I guess that's how it has to work. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, time travel. I assume, yeah. <laughs> 
I, I would have to imagine that as soon as you fire up the camera app, it is already keeping that one second prior buffer. And then when you take, mm-hmm. you know, when you actually hit the button to start the recording or take the photo, it um, takes that point of what buffer it's got plus the additional time, if it's a, vo- um, a photo, right? A very small period of time plus that one second. Like, uh, that's the only way I could figure that it would it would work. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just reading through the notes on the Verge uh, blog, and it's, um, yeah, it's like takes a, like a picture before and picture after kind of thing. Huh. But it's a whole bunch, and it, it can't just be yeah. indefinitely. And, and with sound, like it, it confirmed you're, you're right about sound. Yeah, yeah. So people were calling, the, the people who are a little bit um, less snarky were calling them like the, the Harry Potter photos. Right? Yeah, Harry yeah, Potter yeah, movies yeah. where like the, the yeah. newspapers have people moving in the background kind of thing. So then that, I mean, it, it comes out uh, September 25th. It'll be in people's hands, pre-ordering on September 12th. And sandwiched in between there is iOS 9, as we mentioned, coming out on September 16th. So here's the question. You guys upgrading your phones? I was going to ask Jaime, as the American representative here, what do you think about the <laughs> iPhone upgrade program where you pay, you start at $32 a month, you get Apple Care, and I guess it's like a lease. You return the phone at the end of the year and you get the next one. But what do you think about that? I know there's been some change in two-year contracts and how contract pricing works for phone subsidies, but is this something that's appealing? Do you think you would do this to get you know a use of an unlocked phone for a year? I think it's it's interesting, and I have to really sit down and calculate it out. Um, because there is so much churn going on, especially uh, at least looking at from the American market side where uh, so many of the carriers are having their own programs where you can sort of rent to buy, Mm -hmm. um, where you do all these other sorts of schemes. They're getting um, away from the two-year contract model, and so the upgrade cycles will will change. Um, So buying this, which includes Apple Care Plus, by the way, because when I first calculated it out, I was like, yeah. what the heck? This is like $150 more expensive than just buying the phone outright. But it is a um, unlocked phone, which is huge. So it's, that's a huge deal in the United States, at least. Um, Apple Care Plus plays into that. Um, the part of the calculation that is hard to deal with is, just because I haven't gone out and, and looked, is um, the trick that the carriers always had with the, oh, you get the phone for free or just pay a hundred dollars kind of thing is mm-hmm. that was already included in the monthly billing price. And even once you paid off the phone, they didn't lower your monthly billing price, um, accordingly. So what's unclear to me under this program is, am I going to be paying Verizon less money? Like, can I get a lower rate because I'm going to be giving Apple that money instead? Like it's it's unclear because it, it it would not work out if Verizon's like, hey, look, it's still you know ninety nine dollars no matter what, um, and I give Apple what's essentially one hundred and fifty dollars more money per year, and I can't critically I cannot resell that device and recoup some of that cost through like Gazelle dot com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think the calculation is uh, a little hard to come out with right now. I mean, it's it's certainly not. Um, an obvious winner to me, nor is it an obvious loser. I think it's in that middle ground where it takes an investigation. But it's interesting. I mean, I, I think it's a huge step for Apple to move in that direction. Well, so what do you think, um, Greg? Would you upgrade to the new phone? I have an iPhone 6, and I'm probably going to stick with it. I'm not going to upgrade. Um, I don't know, so the, the S version. I'm traditionally on the non-S versions. I usually get the phone every two years. <laughs> I think the yeah. only time I broke that was when I got the 5 s so i guess i did get three phones in a row uh, i got the five five s and the six 
but mm. I think the 5S I got because Touch ID maybe? I forget what was so great about it, but anyway. Um, so yeah, I traditionally don't get the S's. I get one every other year, so I'm probably going to skip yeah, this the, year. But Yeah, the uh, 5S had Touch ID. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Although the, I was going to say Force Touching, the 3D Touch does look pretty neat, and I would be tempted to get it, but um, nah, I, probably, I probably won't. What do you think, Jaime? Are you going to order a new one? Um, I'm not going to pre-order one, and the reason for that is so I'm a 6-plus user, um, and on paper, um, because right now it basically would be paying out of pocket or I'd have to go through the extra effort of figuring out this um, Apple program and really calculating out what, what makes sense. Um, the 3D Touch looks interesting. I'm not sure if it's as killer a feature as something like Touch ID was or uh, when I... The last time I went off contract and paid out of my own pocket was for the iPhone 5 because that had LTE, which is a huge step up from you know, the, 4, the 4S and its 3G system, right? Mm-hmm. At least for, for my usage. Um, the other thing of the always-on Siri is interesting. Um, I can't remember. I guess Live Photos is specific to the new iPhone. I can't remember if that was or not. Probably was. Um, Probably, yeah. Sorry, what was that? What was I'm try- sorry, I'm looking through my notes and trying to figure out what was specific to the new iPhone versus what was just them recapping what we'd already seen at WWDC or things that are you know specific to iOS 9 that they hadn't showed off and aren't necessarily specific to the device. So I'm going to say yeah, 3D Live Touch. Photos, I think they would say, oh, yeah, it needs the new A9 or A9 processor. And well, so here I've got a list of the new features. It's 3D Touch, 7000 series aluminum, strongest cover glass, 64-bit A9 chip with M- M9 always on motion, right? Mm-hmm. Second generation Touch ID. I thought we already were on second generation, but there you go. LTD advanced, faster Wi-Fi, 12 megapixel camera, eyesight camera, sorry. 4K, 4K video, 5 megapixel FaceTime camera with retina flash and live photos. Retina flash, is that like the screen lights up? Yeah, that's the screen doing the extra extra bright lighting for a second. Yeah, so I mean, every year the, the iPhone's camera system gets better. So that's that's always a consideration. But um, considering the, the price of buying these things outright, that's usually not enough, right? Like I'm not a, um, I'm not a photographer. And, and as we mm-hmm. mentioned, the best camera you have with you, the best camera is the one you have with you, right? So it, I'm never stuck <laughs> yeah. in that situation. It's the only camera I have with me, and it's, it's good enough for my meager selfie needs and birthday party needs. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so 3D Touch is really the, the only thing that stands out as like, oh, the, that might make me buy. But it's not so exciting to me personally right now that I would be, oh, mm-hmm. man, I, I'm going to have to pre-order on September 12th. I think this mm-hmm. is the sort of thing I'm going to have to go see these devices and try them out at the Apple store and then decide like, oh man, I fell in love with that. I, I can't imagine living without this. Or I might say, mm, I'll wait till the iPhone 7. So on a similar question, what do you think about the uh, the iPad Pro? Would you upgrade to that one? That one is also interesting. I think I'm also going to have to try that out in person um, just yeah. to see how, how big that difference really is in the size. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the stylus stuff is, is interesting. Um, is the stylus only works on the iPad Pro? I thought that was the case. I might be yeah. mistaken. I was wondering that too, because if it is just a resistive finger, you know, meaty finger simulator at the tip there, then it yeah. should work with other devices. But because it does have the electronics to detect the angle and maybe even some kind of pressure, then maybe it is specific mm-hmm. to the to the Pro. But I don't know. I'm sure we'll find out very soon. Yeah. I mean, if it in terms of 
working, it would work just as well as those, you know, $5 styluses you can get in the checkout line at uh, Fry's Electronics for <laughs> sure, right? Like as a capacitive thing, but will it be worth using on other devices um, is, a, is an interesting question. I, I kind of doubt it, it, it will be, unless you already had a need for those aforementioned $5 um, styluses. So I don't. I think it's another one that I'll have to try out because I don't think the iPad Pro is really in the area of, of needs that I have. Right, I'm I'm not an artist. Um, I'm not doing a whole bunch of uh, let's say like sound mixing or other exotic things. I largely use my mm-hmm. iPad for uh, consumption as it is, and, and not so much for creation. But that's just me. Well, speaking of price that we were talking about before, as well with the exchange rate, the iPhone 6s plus in canadian dollars the starter model is over a thousand dollars it's like a thousand forty nine so it just tipped wow. over into fort which is crazy because uh, we yeah. buy them unlocked we don't have that um monthly plan kind of thing available in canada so i saw that and i said oh wow we've we've tipped over an iphone starter model 6s plus thousand dollars canadian so and that's, that's a definite the 16 gig model right yeah, exactly. Starter model. Whoa, Just wow. to get in in the door with the 6S Plus is, is you know, four digits. Um, so that was a big thing. I was like, wow, that's, uh, you know, gone over the tipping point. Uh, but speaking of price, I brought that up because I was thinking prices. The other note I wrote down was cheaper iCloud storage. Finally, it was 99 cents. For, oh, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, I think it's, is it 20 gig? I didn't write down the sizes anymore. But I think for a dollar a month, you used to get like, 10 gigs or something and now it's 20 gigs i think they doubled the storage for all the storage tiers but uh, anyway cheaper cheaper icloud storage which is nice to see it's too bad that they didn't bump the amount of free storage that you get you still get five gigs free which is just a crime they should at least do i forget who mentioned this but you know whenever you buy a new device and add it to your account they should give you like another five gigs it should be five gigs oh, like per dropbox device that, right dropbox used to do yeah yeah exactly five gig i mean i'm buying i'm buying a thousand dollar 6s plus if i am in canadian dollars and give me five gigs that's not even enough to back up that thing but just give me five gigs you know i never even realized that i i have five devices on one account right yeah yeah and six if you include my or seven if you include my two macs right yeah like i i don't know what they would do like what if i give it away then does it transfer the space i know there's some questions around that but i mean it's five gigs come on like if i have two three devices constantly on the apple tv like maybe if you don't use it for a year they'll take it away or something but they should give you something per device anyway They've made the storage a little bit cheaper, so I may actually pay them and then um, use the iCloud backup, which I don't use right now because I don't have enough space. Uh, iCloud backup I don't use, no. I store files in iCloud but and all that. But other are you stuff. using the, the free 5 gigs? Or are you using... I'm still on the free 5 gigs, yeah. yeah. I think my iPad backup was like 4.2 gigs, it said it needed. So I gave it a try, and then after yeah. the first backup ran... It was like, oh, next backup is going to be, you know, 20 gigs or something like that. <laughs> so I disabled yeah. it. And, but now every single time I unlock and open the iPad, it says, you don't have enough room in your iCloud for backups. And I, I turned no off way. the back. But every time it tells me I don't have enough room, wouldn't I love to purchase more storage? And I always have to say no every single time. But maybe they've worn me down with the better prices now. Maybe I'll actually pay. Yeah, but, but how does that compare to Google's um, storage? Isn't it quite a bit more on Google? Yeah, Google's pretty good too. I think for a dollar a month, they give you like, I don't know, a hundred gigs or something like that. It's it's you know, yeah. it's like Dropbox. It's not as good as Dropbox, I don't think. I think Dropbox is like a terabyte for whatever they give you. But um, yeah, Apple's definitely at the at the cheap end. Have you upgraded your Dropbox beyond the the minimum amount? Or no, because for I think it's ninety nine dollars a year. They used to give you a hundred 
gigabytes and then they bumped it up oh. order of magnitude to one terabyte so there was no way i was even within 100 gigabytes and there's even less no way less of a chance that i'm hitting the the one ter- i also pay for amazon cloud drive which is unlimited for i don't know 70 dollars a month and i put all of my extremely large backups there um, mm. for like long-term storage so i i pay for that because it's unlimited well, that's, a, that's actually a good idea because, yeah, I keep thinking about that. I, I don't use any other online stuff, you know, other than Dropbox. Yeah, I like that one because um, for the video tutorials, I have all these massive, um, you know, H2, they're still H.264, but they're 1080p, and I have these massive video files for every video tutorial. And I'm like, I used to put them on an external drive, but now I just upload them to Amazon Cloud Drive and delete them off my hard drive, and that's it. That's my second, oh, that's uh, second backup. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about developing for these devices. And the one thing that was, they didn't talk about, but you could clearly see it in, in the uh, presentation today, was on the app, back of the Apple TV, there's a USB-C port. Did you guys notice that? Mm-hmm. Unlabeled, but mm-hmm. present. Yeah. And, and you were saying earlier on, on getting apps onto the Apple TV, you had to use that port? Or how do, how do we figure out how to do that? Yeah, if you sign up for the free or $1 or whatever it is, the Apple TV developer kit... Then mm-hmm. I looked at the installation notes and they said, you cannot, the, the version that they send you, it's not like a real Apple TV, but, or it's somehow locked, oh. but it has, you have to plug the Apple TV, the developer kit, you have to plug the Apple TV into, your, into a TV and the USB has to plugged into, be plugged into your computer. It will not work otherwise is what it said. So you huh. cannot just put it in your living room, plug it into your TV and use it and like copy stuff to it wirelessly no 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 you got to set it up at your computer because it has to be plugged into usb and plugged into hdmi to show on your tv so it really is a development system oh and so and of course you know like in my case here where i have an ipad air i don't have a hdmi port on it so i guess i'd have to use a a dongle or some type but is it usb3 or is it usb or usb c3 i mean c so you have to have the new they include one in the Mac box as well. They give one. They give one to you in the box. They give you a, a USB C to USB A or B. Oh, uh, no, it'd be A. Okay. A to C. They they right. put one in the box for you. Oh, okay. Did you guys sign up for one? I did. I have not yet. I was uh, about to look at that today. Okay, there's some confusion originally, but I believe it's a dollar. So I'm thinking that you have to return it. They kind of. I I've brought up the parallel of back when they switched to Intel. And they were giving away those development systems, but they had to be returned when you were done with them. Maybe they charged oh, the really? deposit. I don't remember. Uh, they made those Pentium Four. They stuck a Pentium Four in like the what was then the Mac Pro, the G5 Mac Pro. They stuck a Pentium Four in there, and that was the development Intel development kit. And I think some people kept hmm. them as like because they wanted it as like a collector's item. And Apple charged them I don't know two thousand dollars or something. But um, I'm thinking these will probably be the same. They'll either expire, is my guess, or yeah, you just have to return them when you're done. So, but like the sign up is free, but you have to pay a dollar when you get the device. That's what it said. It said they'll, they're going to charge you a dollar to just verify your credit card shipping address or something like billing address, I guess, because that's who they're going to really? send it to. I didn't see anything yeah. like that. Hmm. No, I, I'm pretty sure it's oh, right. I on this mean, point. maybe if you win the lottery, you mean maybe? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think I think it was if you win the lottery. It's not like WWDC tickets where they charge you right up front. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think this might be a test because it's also a lottery. And didn't they have that trouble where people had their credit cards declined and Apple just moved on and didn't give it to them? And some people were like, they should have done the charge but not done the batch. And, you know, they could have canceled the trend or whatever. They could have canceled the credit card transaction after. So I don't know. Maybe this is some kind of a test to do the lottery next Mm -hmm. year a little bit better. But yeah. 
Live beta testing. I do want to mention, you didn't, sorry, while we're talking about the iPhone 6 Plus, if you remember Craig Federighi um, did a demo of the Instagram app. And friend of the show, Ryan Nystrom, was, was uh, highlighted there. I think we, we kind of, I think we all talked about that earlier today. Um, so I reached out to Ryan and I asked him about uh, the experience because uh, I think um, Aaron was uh, um, in, in fine form, let's put it that way, uh, talking about um, how, you know, somebody's going to come on the stage and they're going to say, oh, yeah, Apple was great to work with. And it took us like 20 minutes to get this up and running. So I reached out to Ryan and asked him if he could give us, he could share any information about Ryan works for Instagram, which of course is owned by Facebook. Um, and so it was interesting to get sort of the inside scoop on, on that. Of course, he can't say a whole lot about it. Just that, you know, he did say it was a ton of work to do and it was a lot of fun. I said that they were incredibly fun and really helpful to work with the, the Apple team that, that, you know, they were brought in privately to work on it. And he was very happy with how mature the API seemed to him. And, um, uh, they literally had the uh, the prototype up and running in in an afternoon. So there you go, Aaron. You were right. <laughs> I can't believe you have someone who works at Facebook as a friend of the show. That's amazing. It sounds like that should be a tutorial, then, right? I think people absolutely <laughs> love that. Yeah how to, how to work on uh, how to work on private stuff for uh, Apple events. Apple events by tutorials. How about that? Well, that's an altogether different tutorial. Um, which I would definitely love to read. No, no, I was talking about the fact that whatever work that Instagram had to do to get that done, uh, sure would be nice to see that somewhere. So you can just do an easy onboarding when you want to add it to your own app. Cool. Well, I'll mention to Ryan, he's actually he's actually on a Caribbean cruise right now, but uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, well, I was half expecting when I saw his name up there, I was half expecting him to come out and do the demo, but uh, it was one that they didn't invite anyone from Instagram. It was just Craig swiping through Instagram himself, but I was half waiting for Ryan to... Uh, to pop up yeah but he was like he was like right there at the top of the list like you know i immediately caught my eye right <laughs> i'll take a screenshot yeah for for since this is an audio medium when craig went when craig opened the instagram app and it shows your recent activity and it says you know yeah. oh tim mitra like these five photos and it shows you your recent friends actor ryan was right at the top and it said ryan nystrom like these five photos as if he were a oh, friend as if uh, he were a friend of craig federighi's and so it showed his photo. so yeah that's where i saw his name i was like hey he got a mention on a on a keynote. So all he needs now is a WWDC keynote appearance. And then I think he can retire happily. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he's like under 30 or something, isn't he? Kids these days getting all of the glory. I know, eh? I know. What can I say? All right. So let's go around the table like we usually do and see if we have any picks and we'll stop at Greg. Do you have a pick? Uh, Sure. I think you said we'll stop at Greg though, but I've got a little confused. I do indeed have a pick though. Last time I was on this fine program, I picked RW DevCon because we were at a conference and I'm right. having a similar pick this time way back in episode 48. I think also my pick and other people mentioned some of the talks at the Swift Summit. This is the time when all of the uh, session videos for AltConf and for the Swift Summit in London that was held in London earlier in the year were released. And there was a whole bunch of stuff to watch in addition to WWDC. So my conference pick again is going to be not RW DevCon, but another conference pick is for the Swift Summit, which again was in London earlier this year, and they're doing the San Francisco edition later in October, 29th and 30th, I think. So and Swift, you're attending or are you speaking? Or? I am speaking, so yes, there's a disclaimer or conflict of interest or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I am sure. speaking there. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Swift 2 will hopefully, I hope, be open source by then. And anyway, Swift 2 is going to be out next week officially anyway. So there's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about. 
a lot of the new stuff to learn. And if you watch the sessions from the London edition, they were good. They were short, 20-minute-ish sessions that were really good. And I'm thinking this is going to be equally awesome, um, but talking about Swift too. And again, if it's open source, there'll be even more stuff to talk about. So that's my pick. The, the usual tickets are on sale. You can check out the link in the show notes. And come say hi if you're there. Yeah, for sure. Get a selfie with Greg. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at, uh, and, and as we type the tape, this show, there's one day left on, um, I think, no, I think, I think the, uh, early bird is over on rwdev.com, but you can still get tickets, I think. Right. All right. Uh, so back to picks and I mean, do you have a pick? I do. And it is a, uh, another newsletter. Uh, this one is Apple TV weekly. So, oh. um, amazing, amazing that I think, the Apple TV had uh, been announced for all of 10 minutes. And uh, Jim <laughs> Rutherford from uh, an iOS developer in Nanaimo, British Columbia, that's in Canada for folks in the U.S., um, was really brilliant, I think, in that he had already had this idea of starting a weekly newsletter that curates you know, interesting articles uh, about a specific topic, in this case, the Apple TV, just like um, Brian Gillum has done the WatchKit resources, and Natasha the Robot has a Swift one, and there are several other Swift newsletters that uh, that I'm subscribed to myself. Um, and so this is added to my list. It's, uh, you know, the, the first issue is not mind-blowing because it was done sort of ahead of time of being ready and picking whatever you need, but it's it's good critical stuff, right? So um, understanding that the, you know, the Apple TV developer lottery exists, if maybe you hadn't heard about that, um, how to get started. So it's got links to Apple's documentation on um, the different framework references, as well as critically the Apple TV human interface guidelines, which we didn't talk about, but even just perusing very briefly through that, it, it looks brilliant. I mean, it's great and well put together and, and mm. something that people should really look at before they start taking um, what they think should be the, the design model, uh, the you know user experience and visual design experience. Uh, from one platform to another, just like we went through this with the watch recently. I think I'd highly recommend folks, and I certainly will myself, go take a look at the guidelines and see what does Apple recommend that you should do when you're creating an app for the Apple TV. Mm -hmm. So kudos to uh, Jim Rutherford there for putting that together. So that's cool. Like, So you're saying that the, the HIG is already out already. That must have just come out today, right? Yes, as part of the, the huge slew of documentation. And and we didn't talk about um, some of the other things, like I'm looking at a link for TVML kit as a framework reference. That would be TV, TV uh, markup language is what I assume the little one stats for, because it's a uh, markup and JavaScript development paradigm. I don't even know what that is. So I'm going to read up on that. And I only learned about it uh, <laughs> through all of the, the haze and confusion that comes with these Apple events because of uh, this newsletter. So Cool. Yeah. And Tim, do you have a pick this week? I do. My pick is friend of the show, Evan DeKaiser, has come up with another little utility for um, people. He was working, as I mentioned him before, um, Evan was working, I mentioned him before when he did a contact uh, archiver for um, basically going into your contacts and uh, pulling out, you know, you could archive contacts that you no longer wanted and they could either be deleted or just stored off somewhere else. Just get them out of the way in your in your address book or your contact uh, application on your devices. Um, and while he was working on that, he found that he had to translate a whole bunch of different strings. So he came up with this idea for an app for Mac, Mac OS 10, called Local. And I don't know how he snagged that name, but there you go. 
And what it does is it allows you to dig through, basically you load up a, a, localization, a localizable strings file and it will go through and uses Microsoft Translate to translate all of your strings into other languages uh, almost instantaneously. So it's, he was basically copying and pasting back and forth and, and I've done localization a number of times and that, that's kind of a pain in the butt. But uh, so this is a kind of a little tool that he built, which is kind of cool. Um, what else did he tell me about it? So I asked him what, what challenges he had building it. And he said that, you know, initially the first thing for him was because he's a Cocoa Touch developer, learning all the Cocoa UI stuff was a bit of a challenge. So that took him a few days to figure that out. Um, and um, kind of a cool little app. So it's called Local. It's on the uh, Mac App Store and it's free. So or it's Get, I should say. So he's not charging anything for it. I think, I think there's uh, um, up to a thousand characters for free that he'll do translations for. But... Uh, so far, he's had a number of people download it and use it in their apps and seems to be working pretty well. So it's kind of a utility for localizing your apps in a really quick way. It's kind of cool. All right, well, we're going to wrap up this big, giant episode. Um, once again, I guess we'll try again next week. And so, Greg, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? They should look on Twitter. I am Greg Heo on Twitter. You should look there. And Jaime, if people want to find you on the interwebs? On Twitter as well, as at Dev with the Hair. Cool. And I'm, twi- I'm on Twitter as well as Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. And once again, we'll say goodbye until next time. Okay, bye. 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 Say good, say good night, boyo. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items we talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, or if you can, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. You can provide as little as a dollar amount. Any amount helps. However, you're free to do as you please. Thanks again for listening. I had like on my Apple bingo thing, I had um, three lines that had four check marks on it. I just need one more to finish and call bingo. <laughs> I mean, you didn't. You, you were that close. Yeah, twice. I mean, like I was like within within ten minutes. I was like uh, after the iPad, of course, right? Because I had um, customer sats are off the charts. A nine processor, the free spot in the middle. Stylus for the iPad, right? So that's the pen, pencil, and then um, and then I had, if they had only mentioned Android, I would have been able to yell bingo. Well, they kind of did. So, then they, they, they mentioned went. the migrator. Did they? Yeah, yeah I remember they, they said for our friends. App. Yeah, they made oh, an no, Android I mean... app to migrate people oh, who are switching man, to iOS. Bingo! Yeah. <laughs> I forgot to yell. When was that? When did they talk about that? Probably uh, during the iPhone section, right? IPhone. Yeah, or maybe oh, it was the beginning when yeah. they talked about customer sat and how everyone loves iPhone and oh, even Android people are switching. I don't, I don't remember when, but it was yeah, it must have yeah, been. They, the they, iPhone they didn't section. mention Android. Shoot, I should have had up. Well, I can, I can still yell bingo. I'm sure. I'll post it later. Oh my God, Jaime, like you, you already found an Apple TV newsletter? I did, yeah. Uh, Jaime? Jaime? Oh my yeah. God, how did yeah. you find that already? Who, is this you? Or are you making this? Who do, who's doing no, it? No, it's like, like, 
in retrospect, is like the dumbest thing. Like, I really should be the one who did this, right? Because this person was brilliant. <laughs> uh, funny enough, and I didn't give him this feedback, that he didn't put who he is. This is Jim Rutherford from Nanaimo, British oh, yeah. Columbia. Huh. Oh, Canadian. All right. Maybe I'll subscribe. There, well, there are like a million Swift weekly newsletters, so you can still start your own. So yeah, he just exactly. like started this today, you think? or uh, he Yes, he literally just did it like as soon as Never Apple TV night. was announced with the SDK. Let me see. Wow. Uh, mm. It does say first issue today, but maybe he had it ready or something. I don't know. Well, curated, that's what uh, I think that's what Brian Gillum uses too, right? I, that's what everyone uses, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he was able to slap something together really fast. And I asked him about it, and he's like, well, I just kind of anticipated having something like that. And then he just picked up some links really quickly. Cool. Seems to be the thing to do, right? You can't just have a blog anymore. you got to have a mailing list and collect all those email addresses, right? I just want to yeah, so. clarify here um, for posterity's sake. When I said, like, the dumbest thing ever, I actually meant, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it's such an obvious idea. I should have done it. So I am dumb for yeah, doing it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For this you didn't mean the it. newsletter itself was dumb. Oh yeah, you meant no, no. Like the, the, the newsletter no, no, was great. We, we, yeah. we yeah. totally, we totally understood that there, Jaime. Yeah. No, I thought Jaime was a horrible person calling it dumb. Well, I was like, why are you picking <laughs> it if you think it's dumb, right? But, yeah. Like the watch kit one that Brian Gillum does, and say like Natasha the robot Swift yeah. one. Like sure. they're not going. I don't think at least are they going out looking for clients? Like what's the? Why are they? Well, no, to I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that's the motivation behind it, but that, but that is obviously one of the reasons why you do that kind of thing. And you collect. You, I mean, you collect. Uh, I mean, our podcast has a mailing list. I don't think anybody's. I think we probably have two or three names on it, and I don't even think our hosts are on it. But, uh, but that's you know that's that's for future future things. I mean, Release Notes has a has an email list so that you know that when they announce their, you know, and Ray Runnerlich does too because they put you know a summary of what you may have missed you know, in an email message to people. And then that's just another way of, of getting more engagement, right? So I think the dream is, to be honest with you, the, the dream is probably, you know, you want to start these lists, one, for the notoriety, but two, because it potentially might go somewhere, right? You may be the next.